Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Hunter and Michaela, and this is the Model Citizen Podcast. We wanted to let the members of our community experience a different side of us that they see glimmers of, but never the full force. Exactly. We wanted a place where we could talk unfiltered about anything and everything, including our lives and experiences in the modeling industry, beauty, fashion, dating, sex, marriage, a dash of political commentary, and of course, pop culture, honey. We're going all the way in. Tune in every Thursday for a giggle, a laugh, and maybe even a tear or two. You've just found your new best friends, and we're so happy to have you. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, y'all. It has been a week. I got back from Los Angeles yesterday. It was a little impromptu trip. I think you you could call it that. Joe, my boyfriend, if y'all are new here, he plays baseball. He is injured currently, and we had to go to Los Angeles from Washington, D.C. to go through a pretty intense surgery. So I literally was like nursing Joe back to health all week in the hotel in L.A. His surgeon is there. So he got what's called a Tommy John surgery. For those of you who may who maybe did not see my stories on Instagram about this, if you don't follow me on Instagram, which you should, but it's okay if you don't, it's okay. I'm not mad. Joe got Tommy John surgery. So that means they essentially took out like part of his elbow and put like a new tendon in it from his other arm and like freaking did a whole reconstruction. This is actually his second Tommy John surgery he's gotten over the course of his career. But now there's like a new updated one that made his elbow like literally bionic. It's like a robotic elbow now. It's crazy. And it's going to be so robust once it's healed. But there is a 14-month recovery for the surgery. So we're on day five of like 405. So it's been a whole thing. We're going to remain here in D.C. through the rest of the season so far. That could literally change any fucking day now. <laughs> we just moved here. <laughs> I just moved us in this apartment. We would have to leave like, oh, this baseball thing, y'all. It's <laughs> There's a lot going on. So Joe is doing fine. Thank you all so much for your thoughts and your prayers. Like I said, I was nursing him back to health in the hotel room in Los Angeles. He, for a little while there, a couple days, could not use either arm. Like one arm is in a stent at like 90 degrees and he can kind of use the hand attached to that arm, 
But the other arm, they took a tendon out of, so he can't like grab or like make a fist for a while. So like taking his pain meds, drinking water, taking caps off of things. I mean, it was just, he was so helpless. And (laughs) he is also six, four (laughs) and he's massive. So me trying to like get him up and put his little shower sleeves on, he's got to wear sleeves when he showers, watching him trying to (laughs) get the washcloth while he's got the shower sleeves on. It has been a whole trip. But anyways, we took a red eye flight back to DC too. So we were just like the whole experience from landing in Los Angeles to the pre-op meetings, to going through the surgery, watching him come out of anesthesia. (laughs) He was on another fucking level. It was, it was wild. So anyways, a couple of the days that I was there last week, I was able to sneak out and see some friends. Joe was pretty much just like laying down. And once he was able to use both of his hands, I was able to go see a couple people. So that was cool to be back in LA. I feel like I just really miss it there. (laughs) If you're new here, I lived there for like six years and I moved away in December and I miss it every day of my godforsaken life. So it was cool to see my friends and stuff. We did a lovely little bungalow day. And I'd go back to check on Joe and make sure he's getting his meds kind of in between fun festivities with my friends, just kind of gave him some space and some time to heal after I was literally up his butt, like for (laughs) a full 48 hours. Like he couldn't even move without me being like, Oh my God, what what do you need? (laughs) Just disaster. But things are looking up. I think Obviously, after this very long recovery process, I feel like he is going to be back and better than ever. His arm is in what seems like indestructible now. There's like tendons, new tendons in there. There's like a brace in the elbow. There's a lot going on in there. So hopefully, you know, we're never hurt again. Knocking on wood, fingers crossed. But thank you all so much for thinking of us this week. I got a lot of very sweet messages about his surgery and I know he really appreciated that. Joe's kind of a sucker for like people being sweet to him and compliments. So he loved that from y'all. So thank you so much for that. Otherwise, there's not a lot to update y'all on. Obviously new YouTube video this week as per usual. Also my new assistant starts this week and I'm so fucking excited because I feel like I haven't been able to do any social media stuff that much because it's just me, myself and I, especially since Joe has been injured and he's also always up at work. So I hired someone essentially to help me out with that. I had to hire a friend basically (laughs) because in LA, all my friends were fucking influencers and we were able to just shoot together and here, not so common to find influencers in Washington, DC. It is a very interesting city with some very interesting careers Not so much on the influencer side of things though. So she starts this week. I cannot wait to actually have fun and like show y'all DC through content because it is so freaking pretty here. I'm in love with the city. I think it's gorgeous. I haven't seen it a lot on social media. I mean, I just don't follow a lot of influencers from DC. So I am just so excited to like do the thing. So come follow me on Instagram at Peyton Sarton and on TikTok. I'll share all the places I'm going. And if you're a DC local, please feel free to let me know where I should be visiting and taking photos and drinking and eating and all the things. All right. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk about a topic that I notice coming up a lot in the ask P advice column submission form. Cause I feel like I kind of attract people who are very similar to me. I feel like the people who listen to this podcast are similar to me. That would make sense, right? Because you're listening to me just like fucking ramble on or me and my guests ramble on. I feel 
like we are one and the same. So it makes sense that one of the top topics I have received questions about or have had people seeking advice about is about hyper-independence in relationships and dating specifically, which is really interesting because obviously I am the most hyper-independent. And I say hyper-independent because to me, it's like unhealthy level of independence. And it actually, in my life, has maybe done more harm than good. I feel like regular independence, just generical, regular brand independence, wonderful. Hyper-independence, a little bit... a little bit extreme, a little bit unhealthy. So it was interesting to see so many questions about that topic specifically. I just kind of wanted to share my experience getting into a relationship with someone um, because it's usually when I'm asked about that, it's usually on like in the context of dating. So I wanted to share kind of pre-Joe and then the things I've realized since being in a relationship as a person who is hyper-independent, because I've had to change the way that I look at things in order to even one, begin a relationship. And then upon reflection, because we've been together for two years now, this month, actually, it's been more obvious that hyper-independence in the past was my problem in dating. I had also a lot of other problems in dating. Of course, Dating is never easy. There's never like one issue that's going on. It's never only one person's fault. But I will say hyper-independence stood between me and a good relationship for a really long time. And I've had to really try to unlearn, you know, being this certain way that people usually celebrate, but actually can be pretty unhealthy. So before we start this, I want to note One of the main questions I get in my little Ask P forum for the advice column episode every month is talking about people who listen to my podcast, mostly women, having a lack of interest in dating. And they're like, well, what do I do? Like my friends say I should give, you know, this guy a chance, but I'm just like not really feeling the spark. Like, should I just give him a chance and like do the dating thing? Like, what should I do? In my opinion, before you go, you know, quote, fixing your mindset on dating, I want you to first consider that it may not be your time to date right now. If you're not interested in dating anyone, that is very normal and it's very okay. This episode doesn't apply to everyone in that sense. I actually wasn't actively sure I wanted to be in a relationship until I turned 26, like a month after I turned 26. I always kind of wanted it and it looked fun, but I just, I wasn't ready in my life until that point. Also, I hadn't met anyone who inspired me to be in a relationship with them. And I think that's normal. Like some of my friends kind of fall in love with everyone, which I'm a little bit jealous because I'm like, what are you saying in these people? Like, what are you saying in every single person? Sometimes and they will admit it to you, they just like the attention. I think that there's a pandemic going on there. The attention pandemic, it's happening. (laughs) Sometimes I will say people who are, you know, self-aware will tell you that. I wasn't falling in love with anybody. I was not, there was only, there was things I was doing, but also like, you're not going to be inspired by everyone. If you aren't interested in dating anyone, I feel like that's somewhat normal. Like not everyone's going to float your boat. So don't feel like you need to be forcing yourself into situations with people that you just don't feel a spark or don't like. Chemistry is important. So if you're not feeling it, keep that in mind. But this episode may be for you if you've considered all of this 
And deep down, you do want to be in a relationship and you feel like you're ready, but your fear of, you know, quote, losing independence or relying on someone else or sometimes wasting your time causes you to be avoidant or like indifferent in dating because I feel you on that one. That was me. I did it for a very long time, for 26 years, basically. (laughs) So let's get into my story. And the reason I tell you this is because I feel like many of you will relate and see yourself in this experience. And I'm willing to overshare about my life to make you feel more comfortable about yours. That's kind of the point of the whole podcast. Okay. So I have always been extremely independent. I'm the first child and I'm a Capricorn. I was told I have a stellium in Capricorn. And that means that like all of my planets are in Capricorn on my little chart. And if you believe in that and you know what that means, you know, that means I'm hyper independent based on birth order and the stars. Okay. So from a young age, that independence was very celebrated and reinforced by my family. So I'm thinking, you know, this is my identity. This is the best thing about me is my independence. It's definitely a huge part of who I am. Uh, And I think it can be extremely positive in so many ways. But I always noticed when I was young, my mom would kind of brag about how I was very independent. I could always tell that as a mother, there was like this twinge of like the fact that she didn't want me to be that independent. She wanted me to let her take care of me in certain ways. And I would not do that. I was so against letting anyone else be in control of anything I was doing. Literally from as soon as I can remember making memories, (laughs) whether it was getting dressed or planning my schedule or playing the sport I wanted to play, nothing was coming into my little zone, uh, making decisions wise, besides my own brain and my own thoughts. I was not taking anyone else's thoughts or opinions into account. And I also like to do everything for myself and by myself. So recently I've kind of learned that hyper-independence can be a trauma response. That really hit me pretty hard. I found that out on TikTok, as I, <laughs> I find many things out on TikTok. And after years of therapy and reflection, I think that hyperindependence has been my response to intense anxiety because I always want to be prepared for every outcome and I don't trust that everyone else is going to be prepared like me. So I just kind of like live in my own little paranoid world inside my head sometimes and I don't trust anyone. And... I have like that deep-seated fear of abandonment, which many of us have. And I think that came from my childhood personally being not physically alone, but very emotionally alone, like on my own little island. So because of this, it makes me incredibly uncomfortable to rely on people because I feel like everyone's going to fail me in every single way, which does make sense to a certain extent. You can't rely on people for everything, obviously, but... I think it's unhealthy to never rely on anyone for anything as well. And for me, my hyper-independence has always led me to isolate myself in a way. I know that humans are very social creatures and we need to learn to depend on and trust others, which can be hard if you're very introverted and very in your little trauma response way, hyper-independent. That's like the scariest thing is trusting someone else or relying on someone else. It also doesn't help that literally, I feel like, One of the main things instilled in me in my childhood, I swear my parents told me this every fucking morning of my life. My parents said, you are not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to money or success or safety or comfort. 
And what they were doing was trying to instill, obviously, like a work ethic in me. But again, if you know anything about a person with a stellium in Capricorn, no one needs to be instilling that. <laughs> if anything, people need to be telling me to relax, <laughs> stop working so much. So that was one of the key points of my childhood is my parents didn't want me to feel like I was entitled to anything. So I would work hard for things. But really, I think it honestly just caused a whole lot of anxiety for absolutely no reason. But that's a topic for another day. <laughs> so for me, like probably many of you, this hyperindependence showed up a lot in a lot of areas of my life, but it really showed up in dating. So I've never been a relationship person. I have many friends who are relationship people and I never understood them. I'm like, how do you find so many people that you attach yourself to? I do not understand. Like truly I, to this day, I really don't understand that. But especially when I was younger and I was a little less aware of my own brain, mostly for me, I think I just wasn't emotionally ready for that. I feel like I'm emotionally like behind sometimes. And I was also very focused on work and stuff in my earlier 20s. So there's many reasons why I didn't get in a relationship, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that I don't want to rely on anyone. I don't give up my independence. And I was not emotionally ready. And I was very like hyper-focused on work. Like that was my boyfriend from 22 to 25, especially. And I noticed that with women, especially women who reach out to me, we really dive in and focus on work. And sometimes it is a good reason to not give a lot of attention to dating life, but sometimes it's a really good excuse. And I leaned on that for a really long time. For me, I didn't really focus on making deeper connections and like banking on a certain person because I had a roster for sure. In my early 20s, I was like, there's five guys on the roster at every time because it made me not focused on anyone, I guess. And looking back, it was a lot of things that mostly I was afraid of giving my independence away to someone else. It also showed up in my sex life, which was much more geared towards like going out with my friends on the weekends, hooking up with someone just based on affection or attraction or circumstance. And rather than, you know, actually caring about the person and making a connection, which to me feels like a slightly more masculine approach. I know people don't like to like label things as masculine and feminine sometimes, but to me that feels more masculine than being like more feminine in my approach. So when I turned 26, I'm 28 right now, by the way, I just decided that it was time for me to be in a relationship. And I had this like weird moment of clarity that I just was like ready to be in a relationship. And I made a very brief mental note and I decided that I was going to be open to it. And this was pretty big for me. I don't know what clicked, but I just felt ready and like open to it. And I'm a person, I have these like light bulb moments and they're slightly intense and notable. Like I remember when they happened in my life. Like I remember when I first realized my parents were people and not like superhumans. I remember that moment in my life and it completely changed my perspective on everything. I remember when I was 17, I read a book called A Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. I'm sure many of us had to read that in high school. And there's a part in that book, multiple parts in that book, that truly like I remember reading the book and my life being forever changed afterwards. So there was also this one time, I'm not sure, before I say this, I'm going to tell you, don't do illegal drugs, okay? 
But there's one time I, <laughs> I did Molly at Coachella. And as a depressed person, you would think it would like affect me the opposite way. But I feel like it unlocked something in my brain and like made me happier. Like I can think back to that experience in 2019 and be like, wow, I feel the serotonin rush. <laughs> and there's something about that moment that literally changed my life forever. And same with this moment. I remember laying in bed. I was like, I have a full episode on this actually, because I truly believe I manifested a specific kind of person in my life. But anyways, I remember laying in bed and being like, I just felt like my heart opened, like physically, as cheesy as that sound, I felt like it just opened. And I was like, I am ready. Even if it ends poorly, I'm ready for this. And I need to have this experience because I had never had the challenge of trusting on, trusting someone, relying on someone, making a connection with someone and risking in that way before as a hyper independent person. So that was my light bulb moment. Joe thinks I'm so weird because I'll be like, I'll explain these light bulb moments to him. And he has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, is this normal? Do people not have these moments? Like, you not think like, oh, this one thought I had just changed my whole life forever. He thinks I'm <laughs> literally insane and he might be right. So when I had this moment, my energy just completely shifted. So here is what I did following that as a hyper independent person to begin the steps of getting into a relationship. And it was a lot of reframing the way I think about relationships and dating. And then upon reflection right now, after two years of being with the same person, I and living with him and, you know, all the things I have learned so much more in the last, you know, year and a half than I ever thought I would about myself and my ability to push people away due to hyper-independence. Drink every time I say hyper-independence. I know I'm saying that a lot right now, but that's what this is about. Okay. All right. So first I've decided I'm laying in bed that one night. I decide, Hey, this is what I want. I lay out exactly what I want point by point. Again, y'all can go listen to that episode. It's one of the earlier episodes. It's just called how I manifested my boyfriend. I believe in that stuff wholeheartedly, mostly because of that experience. I mean, head to toe, he just like came into my life and never left until I noticed that he was the one that I was thinking about. <laughs> it sounds insane, but I promise, I promise, I truly believe in it. Anyways, go listen to that episode if you're interested in that. So first, on my journey to becoming a regular independent person, not a hyper-independent person in dating, I made a choice to try. Obviously, like I said, my energy shifted that night when I thought about it. And Rather than avoiding dating apps. Also, here's the thing. I want to note, this was like a month before quarantine started. So I turned 26 and then quarantine started like three months later or whatever. So a month before quarantine started, I decided I'm going to date someone. I don't know how I pulled that off because <laughs> that was a pretty intense time. But rather than avoiding dating apps or thinking they were lame or feeling like I was going to be judged for using them and really just being lazy. I gave things a chance. I got on the dating app. I started talking to guys and on some level, I stopped taking the process of the dating app thing. Cause I wasn't like out and about as much at this point. I didn't take the process of the dating app so seriously and looking at every conversation like an acquisition <laughs> and overthinking what to say to make someone like me. 
for me, I feel like that's just too performative to work like long-term in an actual relationship. So I just talked to people when I had time. I continued conversations that I enjoyed, didn't continue ones that I didn't enjoy. And I didn't think too much about a specific outcome for each guy, which means I didn't obsess over anyone. And this made the whole thing much less of a thing in my head. And it wasn't intimidating. I didn't look at talking to people or going on dates as like bad or good things. They were just experiences. And it just came down to me sitting with another human being and chatting with them, which put a whole lot less pressure on me and made me less scared of, you know, losing time and independence and all these things. And I think sometimes seeking out a relationship to me in the past felt like a weakness and it felt like, oh, I can't just like, you know, I, I'm not enough for myself alone. Like I have to prove to myself that I'm enough alone. There is a whole, you know, wonderful, amazing thing about being single. I think everyone needs to experience it. But on the other side of that coin, I feel like people need to experience being in a relationship as well because they both phases teach us something and y'all know how in love I am with my single life experience. Not so I could go around and hook up with a bunch of guys, but because I just loved doing everything for me. And for me, I feel comfortable being single because of, you know, the hyper-independence as we've said. And I've talked about that at length in an episode, which I kind of want to do a single life part two because I know you'll love that topic. So if you have any questions about that or you want advice about that, put that in the Ask P advice column form that I have in the show notes. So anyways, I got off track on my story. So the reason I ended up meeting Joe out of, you know, never really, to be honest, in my past seeing myself in a serious relationship because I just felt like it maybe wasn't for me because I was scared. (laughs) I know that now. Joe and I met on a dating app. There is also another episode about that. I think it's literally episode two. But we were, we'd been texting for like a month. We'd been FaceTiming sometimes. And I happened to be in the same city as him. And I very flippantly told him he could come over to the house I was staying at. Honestly, just to be polite and nice, because we were in the same city and we had been talking. I didn't think he was going to actually show up. And I almost didn't even tell him to come. I can honestly say that from like the dating app experience and talking to guys, I was talking to a few guys when I met him and I wasn't immediately, even after FaceTiming him like for a little while and texting him, I wasn't immediately like, oh, this is the guy. Like, this is the one I'm dating. It was just kind of like, all right, well, I'm with my friend on the couch. We're drinking wine. It's fucking quarantine. I would answer the FaceTime, whatever. Like there was nothing about this was like insanely serious. Really? To be honest, at any point, even us getting into a relationship, if you've listened to the episode, was very just like, oh, we're dating now. (laughs) There was nothing, no drama, (laughs) not a lot of pressure. Anyways, so like I said, I was open to dating a few different people when I first met him. And I didn't immediately know, even after meeting him, that I wanted to date him. It was, I will note, the best sex of my life the first night I met him. Because, you know, I kind of do what I want. We talked about this. And this is definitely a topic I'm going to approach to on the podcast about sleeping with someone on the first date or whatever. But I didn't really like, I didn't wake up in the morning and think this is going to be my boyfriend forever. And then maybe my husband, <laughs> I was just kind of like, Oh, good morning. Like, see ya never. We had a great time. But anyways, that's how I met Joe. And I feel like 
let's say I hadn't answered those initial DMs or I hadn't texted him or I hadn't invited him to come hang out or it all seemed like too much or it seemed like I was just being lazy or something about it. Because again, remember, remember, I wasn't obsessed with him yet. I was just answering to fill my time. And that first night we met was pretty great. And then I hung out with him two weeks later. And that's when I realized like, holy shit, this guy's like actually the best. Um, So I had to give him a chance and I almost didn't because I didn't want to be the girl going out to seek a relationship so hardcore. And once I put that away and I gave people chances, I dated a few different guys. I talked to a few different guys. I put a lot less pressure on it. I met Joe. So that led us to my now two-year relationship. We lived together, the whole thing. But taking a chance and actually allowing people to show themselves to you is incredibly important. You don't need to go chasing a bunch of people around, but just be open to people talking to you. And if someone says something cringy or awkward once or twice, just know what happens. I think Joe said the cringiest fucking thing to me, the first thing he ever said to me. And we got over that hump and I'm, I'm glad that I stuck with him. <laughs> but I think overall, the entrance point to a relationship is just giving someone a chance, a very simple chance. Do not make it more than it is. Just let people get to know you and you get to know people. And I keep noting this because to me, again, as a very hyper-independent person, I feel like I'm also very intense with who I give my energy to. Almost too intense. Like, not everyone deserves your energy, obviously. But I take that a little too seriously. And you miss out on a bunch of people who could be amazing if you did not give them a chance at first because they said one cringy thing on a dating app, which is just naturally going to be cringy anyways. Like, everyone needs some leeway, okay? But it's different if you like didn't like talking to them or like y'all are just not on the same wavelength, but you won't know that unless you give them, you know, a little bit to open up. So we started dating and I didn't really start feeling like I was in a real more long-term thinking forward relationship until about six months in. Of course, that's when like honeymoon stage is over. We're six months in, we're eight months in. We're getting in our first arguments, like things are changing and I'm starting to notice who I am in a relationship because I had never seen that version of myself before. So I have some notes on that version that might be interesting for you guys who are in relationships who are like me and share hyper-independence with me or people who are saying, you know, you're, you're sitting around thinking, okay, I do actually want to be in a relationship and I don't want to be so hyper-independent. So I realized like I said, about six months in, upon our first arguments, our first disagreements, our first tension really in the relationship and noticing like what I was doing that was insensitive or what he was doing that was insensitive. I realized that to be in a real adult relationship that I obviously see leading to marriage, children, a future down the line, I had to risk a little bit more than I had been willing to in the past. And independence is a beautiful thing. Financial independence is incredibly important to me, for example. I do want to have my own life, my own friends, my own job, my own money, all the things. So I'm not really addressing that because I do think independence, especially obviously for women, is an incredible, beautiful thing. I'm just talking about when I have taken it to an extreme and I've been 
hyper-independent out of fear specifically, right? So I had to tell myself, I can be independent while still allowing room for a man I trust, Joe, to take care of me in a certain way. Similar to how I said, I feel like sometimes I did my mom a disservice because I know she wanted to take care of me in so many ways so badly, and I never let her. If Joe never let me take care of him, I would be shook. I'd be pissed. I'm like, let me do stuff for you. (laughs) This is what a relationship is. So I started realizing that in myself and then being like, oh shit, I can't. I thought like hyper-independence was like sexy. Like Joe's gonna be like, yeah, I'm with an independent lady. And it is to some extent, right? And it's not because I can't do literally everything for myself because I can, obviously. It's because risking depending on someone else in some capacity is pretty much what I feared the most. So I had to open myself up to that risk. I had to allow myself to kind of soften and, you know, let Joe go get us coffee. Let Joe make us breakfast instead of being the one that's like coming in, like I can make my own breakfast or I can make us breakfast or I can do this or I can do this or I can pay for this and I can get our drinks and I can get our dinner or we can go have these. Like I noticed in him that he wanted to do these things for me. And I was so like hardened on the outside that sometimes I would feel like that made me weak. When really, I trust Joe. I realize, like, I I trust him. And I don't fear him thinking truly that I'm weak in in that way, because I know he doesn't. And I had to kind of soften and let him take care of me in certain ways. And it feels like, to a person who's hyper-independent, it feels like you're giving in on some level. It feels like you're, again, like I said, weak. But for me, I've noticed this has done wonderful things for my relationship. And I do want to really underscore that I don't think I could be like this with someone I didn't trust. Of course, even if you trust someone, there's some risk because everyone can leave. Everyone can do whatever they want. Right. So I had to come to terms with that and, you know, take a calculated risk. I think I can trust Joe. And so I did. And for me, letting go of that control, letting go of some of my independence and some of that, you know, ability to take care of myself in a lot of ways felt very weightless and felt like a little chaotic and weird at the beginning. But it's one of the best things that I have done for my relationship. Again, I want to make sure everyone understands I am still completely financially independent. I'm still very focused on maintaining my own life and my own like friendships and experiences and work life outside of Joe. But this is just kind of more about that very hyper independence that I felt threatened when anyone did anything for me, buy me dinner, buy me a drink at the bar. I had to like truly adopt an entirely different perspective on that. If you will, being in a relationship with a guy who does like to do those things for me. And actually, I think that there is a certain amount of sacrifice and not only sacrifice, but a certain level of dependence that's required in relationships. And that's what you risk in relationships. It's just inherent. It's, you know, I do count on Joe for a lot of things. Do I need him to do everything for me? No. Could I do everything for myself? Yes. But I do depend on him for lots of things and I trust him to show up when I need him to. And you can't escape that. That's the hardest thing about relationships for me in my past was that I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to find myself in a position where I had to depend or rely on somebody. And coming to terms with that, with again, like I said, a person I trust, even a person I trust, was very uncomfortable. 
But again, I knew I saw that discomfort and I was like, that's what I have to do. I cannot continue to be as hyper as independent as I am because I'm not fucking learning anything. I'm just doing the same thing I've always done for 26 years at that point. So I had to learn dependence in some ways. And really what I did is I've shifted myself slightly more into receiving within the relationship rather than trying to prove to everyone, him, myself, the world that I'm capable and I'm strong and I'm independent because that's inherently obvious. I've already done that. I don't need to prove it to anybody. And I noticed when I look back on my life, I feel like I was trying to prove strength and independence so much that I just made this like very hard shell around me. And I made, you know, excuses for not dating. Like I'm wasting my time. I need to work more. I, you know, I'm too busy right now. When the time came, you know, for a few years, I wanted to be in a relationship and I would never admit it to myself because I saw it as weakness. And I made every excuse in the book to not date anybody. And once I opened my heart to the options and once I allowed myself to quote, waste my time on men, some of them obviously didn't work out, but I'm not sad about it. Honestly, I feel like it was all an experience for me. I actually did end up meeting Joe like literally a month or two after I had decided I kind of wanted to be in a relationship, which kind of goes along with the manifestation thing, but that's obviously in a different episode. Like I said, once I kind of softened a bit and got a little bit out of control, I really softened into being a little less controlling of my time. And I tried to prove myself less and less which is such a toxic thing. Whenever you're trying to prove something to other people, you hide that from yourself, first of all, and you don't even realize that's your real motive. But when you do realize that it's a little bit shameful, you're like, fuck, I'm so stupid. Like, why am I doing this? Once I stopped with that, trying to prove so much, even though after that, it was, it's still a little scary. It still scares me a little bit every single day. I mean, I am now two years deep into this and I moved across the whole country uh, for him. I feel the happiest I've ever been. And I think I made the right decision in doing this. Let's say even if I don't get married to this person, I have learned more about myself and about the way I deal with relationships, like in the field, I've been doing the work in an actual relationship. I did the thing I was most scared of, and it's made me incredibly happy in my life. So that's kind of my experience with hyper-independence and dating. I know I kind of went round and round there a little bit, but if you feel this way, you know how complicated it can be. And I think some people really fear being alone, but for me, relationships, independence, and reliance on someone else and trusting someone else scares me more than being alone for the rest of my life. And I know many of you are out there in the audience thinking the same exact thing, because like I said, I've been attracting kind of people who are like-minded, which is the amazing thing about podcasts. And I've seen so many questions and comments related to this topic. So I really wanted to sit down and kind of just like word vomit out every single one of my thoughts and my experience on this in hopes that one, if you relate to me in my earlier 20s, you can see kind of the road that I went down and the things that revealed themselves to me like throughout the years. Cause I did not realize all of this 
for a very long time. This has been a very recent realization. Even after being with Joe for two years, I realized things, you know, about that first six month fight, or I think it was like eight months and we got in a fight. I realized them now clearer than they were then. That's how it always works, obviously. So anyways, I wanted to touch on that for y'all because I know some of you guys are dealing with that and hyperindependence can be incredibly isolating. So do not let it isolate you. You have to do the things that scare you. Do them smart. You can take a mitigated risk. You don't need to like risk it all and like go move in with someone you just met and just like get married and fall in love immediately. But take your little baby steps. Don't be so serious. And know that it's supposed to be fun to find a person that you resonate with. Also remember, if you weren't dating right now because it's just not your time, maybe it's just not your time. You can employ these tactics later. But only do so when you're comfortable, when you're really ready, and when you really actually feel open to the experience. Because dating is just an experience. Even with Joe, who I love and obviously who I've committed to, I've, you know, moved around and done all the things. This experience is amazing regardless of the outcome. And looking at dating like that has also really soothed my hyperindependence because I still feel like I'm in control. So anyways, kind of a deep topic for this Thursday, but again, wanted to get on here and word vomit to y'all. If you're new here, you can come find myself at Peyton Sarton on Instagram or note to self on Instagram at NTS by PS. There's also, I have a personal TikTok and a note to self TikTok, fucking love TikTok, and I also have a YouTube channel. Everything is linked down below. Make sure to subscribe to note to self wherever you get your podcast and make sure to leave us a beautiful review. That's basically it for today. I'm going to go pour myself a glass of wine, watch some more of the wilds. I started the show, the wilds on Amazon because Joe and I watch Peaky blinders together. So I'm not allowed to watch that alone, but I started the wilds. It is so good. You'll have to watch it. I'm almost going to be done with the first season. I have been watching all day while I work. Um, so I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine and watch the wilds and relax until Joe gets home. But I hope you all liked this episode. I will talk to y'all next week. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind-the-scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week.